coming together. Is your undoing. All right, welcome back to Modern Life Podcast. This is Tabby. I'm here today with my friend Brian, Star Wars expert. We're going to be talking about the new Star Wars movie that just came out. Um, but before we get into that, Brian, what's your modern thought? What's your interesting fact for us? Oh, okay. All right. So we're starting with that. Well, I wanted to share a little thing that's close to my heart about pandas. I love pandas. And if you years back, I learned just how much they don't want to be saved. I wanted to share that with you today. <laughs> They're the worst parents. That's what I like about them. Oh, it's it's wor- it's uh, so much more than that. I mean, okay, like, Tabby, let me ask you this. Um, when you look at a panda, would you say they are an herbivore, an omnivore, a carnivore? What'd you say? Are they herbivores? No. <laughs> they are carnivores. They, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, they have, just like any carnivore, they have short intestines That's it has bacteria that's made to digest protein. And like a lot of carnivores, they, to survive, they need nitrogen, phosphorus, and calcium. Things that you can find in, like, any meat, protein that they can that they can digest through there, they don't do it. They decide that they want to eat bamboo. So they have to do a migra- this whole migratory uh, walk, where during the spring... They'll go look for wood bamboo at the base of the mountains. That's where they eat it. It has nitrogen and phosphorus, no calcium. But then when summer comes, the wood bamboo dries up, so they have to go uh, arrow bamboo, which is higher elevations, also has nitrogen and phosphorus, but there's no calcium. They have to wait until about July, where the arrow bamboo starts making leaves, and that's what has calcium in it. So then they have to eat the leaves in July. And then winter comes, when there's no bamboo, and... And they start dying. Like 50% of panda deaths happen in the winter because there's just no food and they don't eat anything else. They could eat meat, but they just they just don't want to. How would they hunt? Like, what kind of meat would they eat? How would they hunt it? There's nothing. Like, one huh. of the, like pandas are a favorite of creationists because they kind of fly in the face of uh, evolution. They say, like, if there's an animal, this animal, the panda, that is so ill-equipped for its habitat, like, how could they survive without, like, a little help from above? Um, the theory we have one piece of evidence, and we're holding on to it yeah. strong. <laughs> the theory, well, I mean, there's a couple of theories about why they eat bamboo. Um, one is the fact that they actually have their control gene that um controls your taste of savory, like uh, meat. That one's shut off for them. So even if they did eat meat, they wouldn't taste it. Oh, they would be recognized. That's fascinating. On top of that, because there are so much better predators in the wild, like wolves and um. The spotted leopards out there, if they did start going for meat, they'd have such high competition mm. that they go for bamboo instead. But it gets worse. All right, it gets worse. So because they are made to pro- uh, digest proteins, they have to eat a lot of bamboo to survive, to be able to get the amounts they need. About a quarter of their weight every single day. And because of this, they <laughs> they defecate a lot. It's, it's a lot. They, 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 it's all over the place. And then on top of that, then their their mating habits come up. So everyone I wonders how come it's so hard for like them to actually like breed pandas. Well, the female is only in heat during the spring for about 12, 25 days a year. Oh really? Yeah. That's short. Yeah, well, it gets worse. <laughs> um, they will only be open to mates for about two to seven days of that time, and they will only be fertile for about twenty four to thirty six hours. They usually will only try to mate once every two years. And then even and then because these animals don't mate that much, 
they often forget. Uh, pandas in captivity have been shown as trying to breed the paw, the ear. You know, they don't know how to do it. They've actually, in some uh, habitats, have been showing them panda pornography to try to remind them of how to do it because they they don't know they don't know they don't understand they don't get how it works so and on top of that okay so let's say that they do let's say that they may okay so uh female gets pregnant well here's the thing in order to carry a child you need calcium but they are in heat during the spring mm. all the calcium only comes in the summer so they've had to develop a delayed pregnancy where they'll get it but they just won't get pregnant until summer where they can get the calcium. And so even then, that embryo has to survive a, like, you know, a number of months, like five months, mm. before it's even ready. So that's why it's so hard. It's just, they don't want to be saved. <laughs> oh, and I love them. I, I love them so much because they're so dopey about this. They're my favorite animal. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that much about them, but those videos you see of them in captivity where they have to try to force the mom to, like actually feed the babies even though plenty of food is available like i, I find it hilarious <laughs> oh yeah and they even there's even one uh habitat where they've actually started making the males walk on two legs to strengthen their size because they get tired when they try to uh, try to meet like they, they don't huh. want to do it they just want to lie down they don't want to they don't want this they just, <laughs> just like just give me food they get them to the sand by giving them apples because that's how you get them to do things. <laughs> so relatable. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's my fact. So, I mean... I that, love that. That was yeah. a great one. Yeah, of course. Man, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so, mine is about uh, award season, which is uh -huh. happening right now. Oh. I love award season. I know it's stupid. I know I'm wrong. <laughs> I've only followed it for the one thing that everyone's talking about, but I'm sure you'll get Wh to Which is what? Ricky Gervais. Oh my god, I love that they had him back. He's always hilarious. Yeah, I, but the, the, the things that he did were just, they were great, but I'll let you I, take it. I don't know, I'm, I was there for it, maybe I'm a horrible person, but... Yeah. So mine is actually about the categories in the awards, mm -hmm. and about stunt work, and mm -hmm. how it still has not been recognized, even though there's so many advocates for it every year. There's articles written about it. Why is this not something that there's a category for, even though these people are designers now and choreographers, and so many of our highest grossing movies are action movies, and that's what attracts people to them. And a number of smaller film festivals have actually made that a category, but I just find it strange that we're still so far behind. It kind of reminds me of when makeup artists were only hired for a movie. They weren't credited. They didn't get any awards. And I feel like we're doing the same thing with stunt work right now. And it's a little... I just find it ridiculous and outdated, especially because those people are so like brave and risking their lives and doing so much good work. Yeah. I've noticed that there have been a, a lot more population of like actors taking uh, pictures with their stunt doubles. Yes, and acknowledging off. it. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right about that. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I had. And we can just oh. dive right in. Well, now I, I like how you came with an actual film-related fact and I came with... No, no, no. I, this problems. is a rare, uh, rare occasion. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. usually something really strange. <laughs> All right, Star Wars, the... Uh, what is this one even called? I, the Rise of Skywalker. I feel like all the titles for all these three movies could be interchanged, and it would still be... Like, you could call this one The Last Jedi, or you could go... You know? I don't know. Force Awakens made sense because it was, like, 
after everything that happened, and now, you know, so we got this force sensitive girl to happening. Last Jedi, I get it. It was it was supposed to be a, a trick. No, Luke's not the last Jedi. It's Rey. You know, you trained her for like two days. Two so days. Just, yeah, and apparently, <laughs> you know, you did bad because she uh, fell in love with the abusive white boy. But, okay. <clears throat> <laughs> but we'll get to that. We can start there. Oh, okay. We're we can start, start there because I that's have a what, lot of notes about it. That's one of my favorite things. How it's like, oh no, I mean, she, her having a black boyfriend—that's scary. Oh, oh no, a goth boyfriend. Yeah, let, you know, let's let's go with the safe choice, the white guy, you know, the one who killed both her father figures. Um, yeah. Because making this a romance to me in this movie almost made Ray look like a psychopath. Yeah, it did. Like, like I'll get this out of the way ahead. I didn't dislike this movie as much as some people, as much as Tavi has, but like I had a lot of spoilers for me, and I feel that prepared me. Like I remember watching. What did I watch? I watched them. Um, the Battle of the Five Armies, you know, The Hobbit. Um, I only seen it once in theaters before, and I hated it. I mean, I didn't like the Was Hobbit. that the third one? Yeah. I never saw it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like, you know, The Hobbit movies as much as The Lord of the Rings. Obviously, there were problems with that. But I still enjoyed the first two. But the, the last one, I hated in theaters. I recently rewatched it, and I didn't like it. But I didn't hate it as much as I did. But I felt that that was because... I knew all the bad things I hated were coming. I knew what was coming. And same thing happened with this movie. So I was mm-hmm. able to enjoy the mm-hmm. things that I enjoyed a lot more while not hating the things I disliked so much. However, I knew about the kiss. I didn't know that Ray kissed Ben. I read it in the Wikipedia before watching it and I didn't believe it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I, I read it in the Wikipedia too and it just says that they kissed. It, it made it seem like uh, Ben kissed her. So, I was like, okay, I get that. But, like, no, she kissed him. Like, he revived her and then she's like, oh, man, she kissed him. Like, she's so happy. It's like, have you just been trying to revive this guy to get your own like, goth boyfriend? Is that what's been happening? Is that your goal? Is that why you beat Palpatine? So you could get, oh, oh, he's dead. Well, it looks like you failed. Better make a yellow lightsaber. It, it's it's also, I think we discussed this in the last movie too, having two faces touch isn't romance. You know, when like Rose Tycho kisses John Boyega's character. Yeah. And I'm like, it's obvious that these people do not know how to write romance. And in that case, like, why not hire somebody who works in that genre who can help you out with that? Yeah, because it's it's not romantic. <laughs> and the the thing that bothers me the most about this is the fact that like there was there was chemistry between Ray and Finn in the first movie, and I know that there were a lot of people that wanted to see that happen here. There, you know, we had the Han Solo Leia romance, which I know your feelings about that, but still, a lot of people love that romance, and they were looking for something like that here in this one, and you didn't get it. They they they, no. they, they teach you with something that you, people genuinely like, then they go, oh well. Here's Rose to kiss. Yeah, there was no romance in this. Yeah, which the Han and Leia romance is—it's so iconic. Mm. You know, it's one of those classic romances, and to have three movies without without any of that. And what Brian was hinting at is, once Han and Leia get together, I absolutely love their relationship. Just the courtship, I have a lot of problems with, and that's just indicative of the time as well, and of the types of movies and things we consider romantic and i'm trying to compare this to the redemption story of darth vader because everything is recycled right like everything they're trying to copy that and i'm like it doesn't work for me because a i've seen it before and i thought it was very moving between luke and anakin so it's not 
you know, I'm not buying it this time around. Also, the romance aspect, again, is it's just crazy. This person who's killed so many of her friends and now she falls in love with him, it makes her seem a little unstable. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, Anakin's redemption came only in the last movie. Whereas this one, each movie there was a chance for Kylo Ren to redeem himself. And to me, they made it very clear that he's not going down that path. And they thought I thought they were developing from this kind of unruly child into like an actual villain yeah. they had to defeat. Because she, in the first movie, she's watched him like kill Han. And now suddenly she's in love with him. And then in the second movie, they have that fight scene. And he's like, join me. And she thought she could turn him to the light side. And again, that doesn't work out. So after all this work to completely reverse that in one moment of a movie, I'm like, what's your theme? What's your goal? Because I can't follow you on this like back and forth journey. And I, you know, I want to add one thing to that uh, because in, you know, The Last Jedi, there's also the fact that like they really concrete that down because they have early on where uh, Kylo Ren is supposed to shoot the bridge of, I'm sorry, the resistance ship, um, where Leia is, and he hesitates and he doesn't do it, and the other ship shoots. That is supposed to give you the, the tease that he might be redeemable. So then when that scene later comes, that's really supposed to sentiment it in that he's a mm. bad guy. Yeah, it's just, it's just not consistent writing. Yeah. And it's confusing the audience. Yeah. It's now, of course, I mean, you have to go look into the fact that, like, this is a movie series about erasing as well. We had The Force Awakens by J.J. Abrams, then Brian Johnson came in, and that, like, half that movie is just trying to erase the things made in Force Awakens. Not necessarily because Brian Johnson is being malicious, it's just there's all these things that people expect from it that were set up by J.J., who, from what I can tell, didn't tell anybody what he was yeah. trying to set up. So, yeah, Brian Johnson wanted to stop this stuff down so that he could actually uh, make something happen. It wasn't great what happened. People rejected it. JJ came back, but and now JJ comes back, and his whole thing is to try to erase everything that Brian Johnson did. So there's a lot of just like confusing aspects from there that just comes from a back and forth kind of mini feud between directors. Yeah, um, it's I don't feel respected as an audience though. You know, like yeah. it, it's, especially if you've grown attached to characters like Rose Tycho. And for this director to just blatantly be like, no, I don't like her. I will not have her in my movie. Felt It just felt so unnecessarily aggressive. It really feels like a George Lucas moment. You know, George Lucas had that prequel trilogy where he was given super creative control and no one stopped him. But this is even worse because at least then he had a vision of what he wanted to do. It wasn't a vision that everyone agreed with. Of course, I'm not a prequel fan myself, but he could continue that fall through. Now we have arcing directors that have mm -hmm. creative control and they're just uh, uh, racing everything. I mean, Brian Johnson's supposed to have his Isn't own. Isn't it Ryan Johnson? Is it Ryan? I thought it was Brian Johnson. It, do it doesn't really matter. Okay. I, okay. I'll, I'll just say Ryan Johnson for now. But Ryan Johnson, um, he's going to have his own trilogy, Star Wars trilogy now. And a lot of people are bogging down I'm not bogging down yet yeah I'm worried about him having full creative control but I'm also acknowledging that like he was put in a bad position with the middle movie so I'd like to see what happens when he makes his own vision mm -hmm. go start from start to finish so Ryan Johnson it is Ryan yeah okay yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, wrong. I'm just putting myself into that <laughs> you know, it's me I'm a movie maker even then this kiss there's one thing that also bothers me about it because a lot of this is also J.J. Abrams trying to put his own story tie in as well. So J.J. made 
Force Awakens, and there's obvious chemistry between Finn and Ray, but like now he wants and, and them like together. in like a cute, funny way. Yeah, where he's like, "Oh, do you have a boyfriend?" And we're laughing, and yeah. it's yeah, but scratch like, that. <laughs> but like in the last movie, he has her kissing Calrissian. Like, so th- was this his whole plan with the trilogy to begin with? Like, is this yeah, what? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just it's 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 all that it's all that. You know, you gotta love the bad boys. I was like, okay, you know, it's fine. Finn picked up a lightsaber and got his, you know, Lily got paralyzed for you, but sure, no, it's fine. But, but Ben, he's, he's sad. He's sad. Sad is attractive. (laughs) That's so true. Um, I have so many questions about this Jedi hunter in the movie. I honestly, and the movie moves so fast and doesn't leave you any time to think about anything that even afterwards we were still trying to figure out what was going on with this guy? Well, I mean, two things that are happening with that. A, it's J.J. Abrams. He makes the mystery box. He wants to ask questions. That's it. He can't help it. I feel like a lot of these mysteries that are still there were basically stuff that he was going to introduce in the middle movie. And then continue to... I feel like Palpatine was going to show up in the middle movie if J.J. was on it. Oh, God. Like, I well, not necessarily, like, appear, but maybe, like, hint that he's around just so you're more prepared for this next one. But he didn't get to do that. And J.J. is just, like, forcing every single plot thread that he wanted to put in there. But now, I'm sure Disney is fine with it because now they have, like, something they can do, like, their expanded universe comics with and more media and action figures and so on and so forth. The dagger. I hate the dagger. The dagger is... Well, it's so ridiculous, and I know that J.J. Abrams loves Uncharted, and this was like a prime Uncharted moment. Oh, okay. Like, it is so nonsensical and stupid, and like, you have to stand in this spot, and then this pops out. (laughs) I'm just... Okay. I'm trying to picture Palpatine playing all this. First of all, when did he play it? Did he play it before he... Yeah, didn't you know that in... Return of the Jedi, and there was a secret room next to that hall the whole time. I'm, and- not, I'm, I'm not even thinking about that. So, okay, so he either did this before Return of the Jedi, which he was pretty sure he was going to win, so why would he need that Wayfinder and Secret Fleet? But then he's like, okay, I need you to take a shuttle. I want you to go outside the Death Star. I just want you to like kind of like get a measurement, and then I want you to make a dagger. I want you to make a map. On the dagger that shows where my holocron is from the outside of the Death Star at this specific distance. Or, of course, he did it after he died. He's like, okay, I remember where it is. I need you to measure, like, where it is from there. I'm not going to leave the planet. You have to do this without me. You have to figure it out. I need this dagger really badly. And then I want you to write everything in Sith, ru- in Sith runes, which I don't understand why C-3PO couldn't translate them. Because like okay, it's a forbidden it's a forbidden language. He's not allowed to translate. Like who programmed him to not be able to speak that? Because like I'm gonna use prequel knowledge. He was built by a child. <laughs> You're okay. right. And then it's like okay, well he 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 used junk car parts. He got like a translator using it from like an old droid. Like, okay, but like according to Conehead Kiati Mundi, the Jedi in the Council, Je- Sith haven't existed for a thousand years. So what like mid level droid programmer? <laughs> Oh, this is bad language. I can't let my... I'm going to let my droid understand it, but I'm not going to let him speak it out loud. You have to hack them. And it's like... Oh my god, I hadn't thought about that. No, it's like secret secret Sith language that Palpatine knows can't be translated, so you have to read it. So now nobody understands this language, but he made the dagger that nobody can understand and said, you you have to do it from outside the Death Star. Provided the Death Star survives, but 
I have foreseen it. It will survive. And it's also- going to be really cool. The fact that we've seen this Death Star blow up in the past movies and J.J. Abrams is just gaslighting us like, no, you didn't. And this everything was fine. And huge parts of it are actually like salvageable. And Emperor Palpatine's room is just fine. And like you can go visit it on the massive ocean on Endor. Does Endor have a massive ocean? Because no. I do not remember. Well, well I don't think that I don't well, remember. That was the Endor's moon. I don't think this. I think this might be the planet that Endor. Oh, okay. the, the actual planet Endor. Or it might be another planet in the system. I, 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 that's was my Of course, assumption. Brian, it makes perfect sense. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you brought someone that knows these movies. And so. Oh, God. But yeah, even then, that was a lot. That was, that was my assumption. Because <laughs> then the Jedi Hunter, that day that he finds Ray's parents, he mm-hmm. must have had like a really long day. Like, I want like a sitcom spinoff with a laugh track. Because like he finally finds them and instead of torturing them, he kills them. And Ray is literally right outside the ship. They just tell him, no, she's not there and then we've seen the flashback ray like stretching out like mommy as the ship flies away and i'm like damn she was right there you didn't even bother to look like this guy must have been so over and tired he's like i'm leaving yeah and, was, and, and she's reaching out mommy daddy i was like they're dead i mean they're on his ship dead or maybe they're just out in the desert i don't know i don't know what you do with the mice i also love that the safest place for her wasn't like a rebel base or anything it was like a really shady like person who would have sold her any chance <laughs> like he got <laughs> yeah yeah and i like that he killed the parents with the dagger it's like i mean you could use anything but you're gonna use the special the, dagger the special dagger you're gonna use that <laughs> oh, my God. oh my um, god my, 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 one of my little favorite aspects is that they're on the ships like oh okay this is a ship from like a, a jedi hunter he's been dangerous so on and so forth and bb8's rolling around it's like oh look another droid I should turn it on. I mean, you don't know anything about this droid. I was waiting for that droid to like look at the little cone head up at someone and just like shoot them on like immediately. It's like, yeah, it's like death to the Jedi. <laughs> oh, you have a lightsaber? Death to Jedi. Poison. Everything. It's like, why would you do that? Let's just, yeah, just turn it on. It was like the funny sidekick in the sitcom that I'm uh, developing, Brian. Every, every Star Wars movie now has to have a BB-8 and a BB-8 clone, because last time we had evil BB-8. Oh, I loved evil BB-8. Now we have mini BB-8. Now we have stutter BB-8. Stuttering BB-8. Yeah, yeah. So so there'll be, there'll be like a whole rainbow treasure. It'll be like Captain Planet. By aircraft design. <laughs> I am BB-8. <laughs> and BB-8 didn't do much in this movie, and he's my favorite character. When... Yeah, because he doesn't talk. I don't know. He <laughs> was so important before. Uh, but to, speaking of bro- droids, I do want to point out that C-3PO carries this movie. He I was mean, hilarious. I thought all his scenes were brilliant, and he finally had his moment to shine. And I'm trying to say something nice about this movie, and I loved C-3PO. <laughs> yeah, until it was, like, kind of pointless. Like, you know, he... My laughs aren't pointless, Brian. <laughs> no, it's just like, he, you know, he does the whole sacrifice of giving up his memories, but then, like... Gets it back. Yeah. yeah like, you know, he knew he's going to get him back. And then, like, kind of like how Chewbacca's dead for one second. Yeah. <laughs> and then I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I was really hoping that they would acknowledge C3PO's red arm. Because that story is, like, probably one of the best stories, in my opinion, that's come from this new trilogy stuff. 
I like the expanded universe. I remember you telling me about it a little bit. Oh, so essentially, he was sent on a mission with a number of um, resistance droids. I think some other like resistance troopers. They were basically capturing a first order droid, and uh, the troopers died, and they got stranded on this uh, hostile planet. Just CTPO, this uh, first order droid, and a number of other droids that has like hostile fauna and stuff like that, and like the whole comic. Um, is them trying to reach this stranded X-Wing to get, uh, uh, that belonged to one of the Resistance members that can release a homing beacon. Fauna or Death Hatters are like, killing off these droids one by one. Meanwhile, C-3PO is talking to this droid, and they're basically discussing a lot of like existential stuff, like what it means to be a droid, follow, how you follow orders, something like that, mm. because uh, how... You basically you're uh, what's the word for it? You're sentience because you know mm-hmm. he see because they're both droids that follow programming, but they follow it very differently. So eventually, it comes down to C-3PO and this first order droid being the only ones left, and they manage to find the beacon, but they're under a rock covering. It starts uh, raining like the acid rain. They can't get to it, but it, the beacon's gonna die soon. So they need to get uh, get to it. Uh, they need to get to it, or else they'll be stranded on this planet forever. So this first order droid ends up sacrificing himself, walking out into the acid rain to go and activate the beacon so that mm. uh, the resistance can come and rescue C-3PO. Um, during this time out in the wilderness, one of the animal attacks took C-3PO's arm. So after the acid rain stopped, he walked out to the remains and found the arm of the destroyed, which was now rusted over and turned red from um, the acid rain. And so he added it to himself to honor his memory. And that's like a really strong C-3PO moment uh, for him as well. So I was hoping that like we kind of like acknowledge some of that because it also shows C three people's like ability to not just be like, oh dear, like how he actually has emotions. He just mm. hides it very well under his protocol droid persona. Hmm. But and that's that's the thing. Like I was talking to you a while about how like there's a lot of expanded universe lore that has a lot of effect on this trilogy. How going back to Kylo Ren's redemption being unbelievable there's a lot of stories in there that basically show how much like hesitation he has to certain things like his fall to the dark side and how much trouble he had with it um the first time he actually harmed one of the other jedi after the burning of the temple and how it really affected him uh, negatively oh i remember that yeah yeah and yeah and also his doubts we see in the first movie which is his journey right where he's like grandpa tell me what to do and then by the end he makes that sacrifice and kills his dad yeah. So, but then it's like, but like none of that is featured here. Like that, all that stuff would make it so much more believable and make it work. But it's just none of that. It's just like you said, compounding the idea that he's not going to change. It's like, oh, well, I want it to be like a surprise when he does. Like, yeah, it's a surprise. No one <laughs> believes it. No one believes it. No one wants it. See, for me, I I I look a lot of iconography within movies stuff like that. I kind of hate that Kylo Ren away his lightsaber it's so iconic to like his character itself like that's what everyone thinks about in the new lore red lightsaber crystals are basically normal lightsaber crystals that were turned dark you know they uh, you know their wielder forced their dark side energy into and corrupt and stuff like that so what i would have liked to have seen i thought about this was that instead of him throwing the lightsaber oh, away yeah. he actually restores it and then you might have gotten uh, like a scene like maybe inside his mind some of the astral projection of him like uh, fighting the conflict of remaining in the dark side or actually trying to change something like that maybe extend that yeah. scene that was like Han Solo yeah except you can't do that in the last half of the last movie 
I I know, you but know? it would but it would have been more helpful. Yeah, you ended off with him restoring the crystal. That that basically really tells that's you that's a really he cool idea. And then it might have been a green crystal because that's something that I found missing here. I know there's a lot of people that looks like green lightsaber crystal. They would have loved seeing Kylo using a green lightsaber. Yeah, I missed that green lightsaber as well. Yeah, yeah. I really love that you know Ray had a yellow lightsaber because that's my favorite type. But it's never mm-hmm. been a movie. But like it's the last scenes. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> It it's just for them to get another toy out that they can sell to people in the last second. Yeah, the... it has like a black hill. It's got like all yeah. these crazy trappings on. It's like it's gonna, it's gonna be the coolest, biggest lightsaber you've ever seen. The, that last scene infuriated me. I, I was just angry for the last half of this movie, anyways. But so the Force ghost scene with Luke, I actually really liked. I know a lot of people hated it, but I. I didn't get anything out of the Han Solo scene because it just came too late for me. And I'm like, well, Harrison Ford has a really good agent, so he's <laughs> back in this movie. The Luke scene I really liked because he's like catching the lightsaber and he's like, is that any way to treat a Jedi's weapon? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, Luke, but is it erosion and putting it in the sand on a planet that you hated and that your sister was only on as a sex slave? Is that the proper way to treat a Jedi's weapon? He's like looking at her at the end, like, mm, like approvingly. I'm like, these are like really important, expensive, valuable, like artifacts that represent these two really important people. Why are we putting them in the sand? And why is Rey in charge of this? The resistance should have a say in like what to, how to preserve these. Am I crazy? I'm like, why are you putting them well, in the sand? Well, for me, it's like, okay, I get it. She's putting it in his home, his childhood home. I get that. But also, it's just like, these things are really dangerous. Like, really <laughs> it's dangerous. It's like Jumanji. You're yeah. burning Jumanji. <laughs> I mean, supposedly, if you don't have the force, these things are really, like, the force guides your hand. And that's why Jack can do all this crazy stuff and not cut themselves open. So, if, like, any kind of I don't know, scavenger like the Jawas that are all over that planet right. digging the sand. <laughs> I mean, now you got Jawas raiding Moss Eisley, cutting off um, cutting off people's arms because they don't like them either. <laughs> oh my god, that's so great. And then they just learn to replicate them, and then they turn them into guns because Jawas can apparently do everything <laughs> with technology. It's also, I'm going to put a bit of like a femini- feminist twist on this, but some things in this trilogy were so unnecessarily male centric and it reminded me a little too much of the first trilogy and for the first trilogy you have the excuse of like it was made in the 70s that's why you have a scene of leia comforting luke about a guy he just met dying even though her whole planet just blew up you know like because the story's about luke it's not about leia unfortunately but in that same way i know we i talked to you about why would ben's last name ever be solo and not organa it's just because it was made by Americans, and it's still very common here for people to take the man's last name. And I'm like, the, why would that, the dude, like, effed off, and, like, she's, like, the leader. Why wouldn't they be, why wouldn't he be named Ben Organa? And then, in that same way, why is Leia just like, mm, yes, burn my lightsaber on this planet? I don't really know. You know, because it's, again, just about Luke's story, and I feel like Leia's just forced in there without her actually having her own say in it. Well... There's a very good answer for that, um, because like how people don't wear space underwear in outer space, <laughs> um, in 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 the space galaxy, long time ago land, uh, women take the male's name, or at least the kids do. 
because it's, uh, it was something they could have updated and they chose or i don't even know if it was a choice they just don't think about it now i i have to point out though because when ben was born you know obviously han was still there and granted, yeah, she's an important figure, but you kind of have to also acknowledge the fact that he was an important figure to the Rebel Alliance, too. He was a general. He was a captain in Episode 5, and then he was a general inside Episode 6. So it's not like he's, he was still the smuggler. We don't know how far he went after that. I haven't looked into the expanded lore between Episode 6 and 7, like where Han went before he left the Resistance. So that could be a possibility to why his name was Solo. Maybe... Leia it just stayed Leia Organa. They never really call her Leia Organa solo in right. the movies, like they yeah, did in the old lore. That's true. But he might have been solo because you know he was prominent as well, and that just might have been how it went. I can't say. Except you have an actually good reason for it, and I know the creators of this, judging by what I've seen, don't have a lot of logical thoughts about anything. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if Ben knows that his last name was determined because some guy just said, oh, this, you're just by yourself, so you're solo. <laughs> that, okay, that movie, I can't talk about that oh, movie. Oh, God, I refuse to watch it. Good. <laughs> Can we talk about Chewbacca really quick? What about Chewbacca? Chewbacca is the only... I'm starting to wonder if J.J. Abrams has normal human emotions or if he's just one of these nerds who doesn't understand interpersonal relationships. Chewbacca is the only one who's allowed to have a moment of being a person and grieving for Leia. And from what I've seen talking to other people, that's the only thing that really impacted them in the movie. And I was like, oh my god, finally there's something genuine in this movie. Like, I was so starved for it. Yeah, and yet... Chewbacca's barely there. That's one of the sad things about um this new trilogy. I took my mother and father to see The Force Awakens, and my mother decided that she wasn't going to see the other movies, at least in theaters, because they made such a big deal about how all oh, the original cast is there, that like there are so many people that came there to see the original cast, and the original cast are really just background characters for the most part. If they aren't a background character, then they are there to die in the movie. You know, yeah. So it kind of is sad for people like that. And Chewbacca, I didn't see much. There really wasn't much to him. Yeah, let's talk about Chewbacca's death because there are very basic storytelling objectives not met here. Where I feel like the writers can't differentiate between character knowledge and audience knowledge. Because if you're telling me that Chewbacca is alive and you expect this to be a twist to me, like five minutes after you killed him then why not have me know that all along? Why not have me as the audience watch, like, some other ship fly away? And also, like, are you telling me I'm stupid? Are you telling me that John Baker's character is stupid? Like, it's a clear sky and an empty desert, and, like, apparently it's such a mix-up. There's all these ships flying around that we didn't see. Like, it's just... Why not have this scene take place in, like, a dense forest or something that actually makes sense? Like, there's no explanation offered, and then you just... Yeah, it's a mystery box thing again where we're supposed to marvel at J.J. Abrams' genius. The thing is, the way I took it was that it was less so that you would be tricked that they die. It was just so that you would understand, like, why uh, the others did the thing they did. Mainly, like, why Ray is, like, so worried about the dark side, which I get, but the execution wasn't really there. Yeah, like you the could have shown me, she, you know, with me knowing that Chewbacca was still alive. Yeah, like... You had the conversation between her and uh, Finn about, you know, about like, you know, I don't think 
anybody knows who they am. It's like, okay, that's the direct result of Chewbacca thing. But then there were other stuff about her conflict with the dark side, which I did not connect to the Chewbacca instance at all. I was already gone because once they showed Chewbacca alive, just kind of forgot about that. It just became mm-hmm. Ray's having trouble with the dark side. Just period. Mm-hmm. Not Ray's having trouble with the dark side because she thinks she killed her friend. Yeah. And that's a shortcoming of the movie. The yeah. thing of not showing those relationships between people. Yeah. Again, one of the main problems with this movie, one of the big problems is that he, he was just trying to put too much into it and didn't put enough time to subject. There's some genuinely good plot threads in there. There's, it's just there's too much. There's not enough time for each of them. Yeah. I think I think I would prefer Kylo Ren didn't survive, but I think Kylo Ren's redemption could have been done a lot better. It's been done millions of times before the whole redemption arc. It could have been done better. Uh, Chewbacca's uh, fake death could have been d- done better. C three pules. It just it didn't even need to be there. Chewbacca's fake. I know, but I'm just saying, like, there's so many like of these that could have been done better. They're given more time. It's just he he stuffed so much because he didn't get to put it inside his last movie, and he's I don't know. To me, he's swinging a little fit about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Just a child being like, "You played with my toys, not the way I like you to play with them." <laughs> even though I didn't tell you anything about them. Um, I also want to talk about Lando because I'd been very upset that he hadn't been included in any of these movies and it kept telling me, oh, the original cast is back and I find it very suspicious that the one person of color wasn't contacted. I kept looking it up and he's like, yeah, nobody's reached out to me. And then you just throw him in there to push your plot forward and he's like, oh, is how's Leia doing? It's like, she's dead. Okay, never mind. Like, we never get him reacting to any of his close friends dying, we never get him to actually have emotions and feelings and be Lando Calrissian. I just found that really disappointing. Well, obviously, there's a lot of like really tough decisions being made because they already had a black guy. And then <laughs> they were thinking about bringing Lando in, but they were bringing a black girl in too, which, I mean, I guess that she's going to be his... Her, his and that's not going to fly in China. We need those audience numbers. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> My problem that I had with Lando also, which is the fact that I couldn't enjoy him at all because he was dicks as Machina in, incarnate. Every time he cropped up, it's like, oh, here he is to, to, to shoot the stormtroopers because he just happened to be on that planet with like his mask up. And then he just shows up with like all the, you know, other ships from all around the galaxy, which I get that's why he went out there. But I just, it wasn't believable to me. The last no. movie we had then put out the call and no one came. It's like, yeah, show like Lando giving like a rousing speech mm. or something. Don't just like have it happen. Like, who are these people? Like, mm-hmm. they're just people. It's like, yeah, they're just people. No one cares about them. Yeah. Like, I, it just wasn't believable to me. And that was all Lando was there for. It's just like for you to set up a worrisome or desperate scene for him to pop up and just mm-hmm. say, Lando, yeah. It's yeah. Like, no, and this just ties into my point that J.J. Abrams doesn't understand that we actually want to spend time with these characters and that they're not just there to serve your crazy plot. It just, really, this was the treatment Lando got, and Lando is the best character. He's not my favorite character, but he's the best character in the Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> I will forever defend him. <laughs> he's the only responsible one. <laughs> oh, man. I love Lando. Best hair, best dressed. Come on. I, I'll have to show you a skit that was done by Robot Chicken. It's one of my favorite. Which basically, it, they actually got Billy D. Williams for it. And it's basically him, like in a, I think he was in like a convenience store, and people were talking, telling him about how 
they loved how much of a bad guy Lando was in the movie. It's like, he's not a bad guy. He's like, yeah, but he betrayed his friends. Like, he, his entire city was held captive. He yeah. do something. It's, it's really funny. Lando's the best. Yeah. The graphics, I thought, were so bad. The quicksand that they're, like, dying in, that they're that, not dying in, that they're falling through, just looked like when you're casting Grease in Dragon Age Origins, like... There's a patch of things here. Like, it didn't look like it was part of the environment. It didn't look natural. The ships at the end for the First Order just looked like someone copy and pasted. And it was just one layer of ships. It wasn't like there was a dimension or, like, chips on top of each other. Like, just CGI-wise, I really wasn't impressed with this at all. I wasn't bothered by it as much. Um, The, the Black Sand, it's like... When you're a Star Wars fan like me, and you go through all this like expanded universe stuff, you play the games, play the movie, you just kind of get the sense that like nature doesn't make any sense in this <laughs> series. It's it's sci it's sci it's it's fantasy. It's not sci-fi. That's it's fine, but it still has to it still has to look good to me. Like it, you didn't have these really awesome scenes of in the last movie, like Laura Dern when she sacrifices herself, and you have that beam of light cutting through the ships, and you think like, oh, that's that's a well-crafted shot of a movie. Yeah. And besides... And I felt that same way with the stunts in this movie, too. I just wasn't really impressed by them. The only thing being when Rey cuts Kylo Ren's ship in half in the desert. I was like, that's such a cool moment. I wish there was more of that and more artistry to it. See, I just look at that. That scene doesn't make any sense, but okay. No, it doesn't make sense. What but you, at least what's it your cool. What's your plan, Kylo? What are you doing? <laughs> the ending was one of my biggest problems. Not not from like like making me mad. It's just like uh, this whole movie is building up to this super star destroyer fleet. But like honestly, the ending, like the the space battle, quote unquote space battle, was probably one of the most disappointing space battles like, yeah. in all the movies. Like, yeah. I hate, I don't like Rogue One, and I know you didn't like the space battle, but I thought it was a fantastic space battle. But this was just, it was boring. Like, you, like I cannot remember no, a Star No, at least Rogue Destroyer. One had a better visionary yeah. style to it. I will give yeah. it that. Like, I don't remember a single Star Destroyer taking a shot. Right. Like that, that that's where like these they were just floating there to be sorry. I get like yeah, resistance ships were blowing up, it was happening. But you didn't really get that and Well, and these ships were big, right? There were supposed to be these big ships. Yeah, big stars. Because I was confused about the setting. And I think when you don't establish your setting, it already is not a good starting point because they're not in space because they're running on these ships, mm -hmm. so they must be within the atmosphere of this planet. Yeah. But then if the ships are so big, wouldn't you be in the upper atmosphere? And then how could you breathe and how would wind and air work? Like, I was thinking so much about the science of this, which is not something I normally do in a sci-fi movie because it's all nonsense. Yeah. But I couldn't be there with the characters. It just felt like I was on a soundstage, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't feel in the environment yeah. of that battle. And the weird thing about that, because the big plot point was, yeah, they were in the atmosphere. Because one of their big plot points, the reason why they're doing this attack, was that the Star Destroyers could not activate their shields while they were in the atmosphere. That's why they're trying to, st and they needed that special guiding beacon to lead them that's out. That's right. That's right. But I never heard that ever. Ships cannot activate their shields while they're in atmosphere. It's like, but, I mean, why can't they? Activate it was just that? made up for this movie. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, that's what it seems like. Because like then, like now we have the resistance ships coming into atmosphere. It's like, is there a problem with their shields now because of the atmosphere? I mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and 
you t- you talk about like how ring resistance would work out, and like a lot of like Star Wars lore is about repulsion of technology. That's why you know you have these ships that are very much not aerodynamic, but they use this repulsion of technology to still guide them. But then it's like, and I think about that. It's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But I remember episode five where Luke crashed on Dagobah because it was a terrible place to fly into. It's it's a special Sith world. There's thousands of Sith followers that don't matter. They're just there to be creepy. Uh, who uh, who are these? did they come with Palpatine? Right, I, yeah, and they all shop at the same outlet mall because yeah, the one that you <laughs> see very the, cl- the one that you see very clearly in the desolate Sith planet. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> hey, we got another order for uh, forty thousand creepy Sith robes. Uh, where's it going? To the creepy Sith world. Uh, okay, <laughs> um, you're gonna need the special wayfinder, but to find it, you need to use this <laughs> dagger. You need to go to this planet in the Endor system. You got to stand on this specific ridge. They measured this, so it, it'll help. You. I don't know if that's gonna make Amazon same day delivery, Brian. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Y'all be careful. The ocean's rocky. So don't worry. I mean, the ocean get pretty bad, but this one girl that like lived on a desert her whole life, she, she was fine with she dealing with water. Fine. She told she she was Moana. I am Moana. I am Moana. Oh, what a better movie. <laughs> but also um, something else about the graphics and the cinematography of it. I actually really like the scenes between um, Ray and Lan, not, sorry, Ray and Kylo, where they kind of figure out where each other are. Like he rips the necklace off, she gives him the lightsaber, mm-hmm. and we had that in the previous movie too. But in the previous movie, you had a really smart thing with... Um, music where their two themes intertwined whenever that was happening and also the environments like she would be standing under the millennium falcon and it was raining and then he would be standing in front of a window and there were sparks falling down so it's made by a director who's more aware of audiences drawing connections and how their minds work whereas jj abrams just wants like action all the time and i don't think i just don't think he's an artistic mind if that makes sense yeah their connection was a tool in this, it was a tool. A it was, tool. Yes, it was yes, a tool yes. for them to, for, to transfer things out, to figure things out, and it was a tool for Palpatine to heal himself because now there's force healing in there, and it's like there's always been force healing inside Star Wars for a long time with the expanded lore. I actually really enjoyed the force healing as a new piece of lore for. I know it existed before, but just for the for the movies. For the movies, I was like, oh, that's actually really cool. That expands it a little bit more. I'm not giving up years of my life for a desert worm. That's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> like I would have killed that worm. I was like, that's that's interesting. But yeah, again, and and also the music in this, we just kept looking at each other like as we were watching the movie, like my brother and I, because it was so. How can you mess up a Star Wars score? You have everything there already. And the music was so hammy, like in the scenes with Palpatine or like with the lightsaber battles, you have the sound effects of the lightsabers, the environment, and then like strings going every time the lightsabers met each other. And I'm like, remember that like really amazing scene between like Anakin and Luke in episode five? And it's one of these iconic like movie moments and there's posters made of it and it's like... I want to go back to that. <laughs> like You have everything there. You have the lights from the lightsabers. Like You have all the tools to make this work. And to somehow not make this work is just astonishing, honestly. You're not going to make that just with the characters. I mean, just the Kyron character in general has always been split between whether he's going to be redeemed or not. So in 
in essence, his appearance is made to not be evil like Darth Vader was. Luke and uh, Darth Vader were very much a clash of good versus evil. That's true. Now, I'm just saying that Ryan Johnson took that and made it into something that was visually appealing to me and yeah. this and jj abrams wasn't able to do that for me yeah. that makes sense but yeah no you're right about that um and so it's it, so you're not going to get the same iconography with kyle ren i mean just looking at the vader suit versus the kyle ren suit it's 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 very much not made to be as intimidating as Vader. it's supposed to be reminiscent but not as intimidating and that's actually something i know a lot of people hated but i enjoyed in the first movie that he's just trying to emulate his grandpa. And then once he takes off the mask, people were like, oh, he's just a whiny, bitchy little kid. And I'm like, to me, that was the point. Like, he takes off the mask and you're like, oh, my God, he's just a kid. Like, he's just a... I thought that was interesting. But the movie also fails... I have a whole section on here on villains. Because this movie, does... none of these movies had really great villains. Yeah. And the ones that they do have either appear only for a little bit or are only good because... Richard E. Grant, for example, in this movie is because he's just a good actor. It's not yeah. because his character was good or anything. He just has that receding hairline and he's terrifying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's him doing all the work. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I have two things to talk about, but they're separate. But, like, I'm, first, I'm going to go back to the Kyle Ren thing because, like, I really see him as someone that they're trying to build up into. Yeah, and then build. they didn't do that. Yeah, they didn't do it. <laughs> like, that would that would have been great. Yeah. You see, you see, you're supposed to actually see his fall. It's both building and making another Darth Vader, but also, like, trying to improve on the prequel trilogies how to make a Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'm going to go into, because you're talking about the villains, like, yeah, because one of my favorite things about the original trilogy are the Imperial officers. Admiral Piet, uh, Admiral Coulson. Um, oh, yeah. like uh, uh, Peter Cushing, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, like, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about, like, the ones that, like, get the big limelight like, like Tarkin did. Like, these are small ones, like Admiral Pete just being, like, in Episode 5 and a little bit in Episode 6, but people still know him because, yeah. of his, because of his connection with Vader and stuff like that. So that when he appears in, like, games or books, like, oh, man, yeah, I know who that is. Right, oh, cool. right. Um, But, like, I didn't get that with any of the officers. Yeah, I mean, I have I have this whole list here. The, yeah, the Kylo Ren arc was not completed. We... We're all in love with Phasma, and then they kill her off in the last movie already. I wasn't in love with Phasma. The rest of the world was. <laughs> I mean, were they? I didn't see that. I think people just really like Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, well, yeah, but like the, the big complaint that I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot, and that was my complaint was that for in Force Awakens, she was another Boba Fett, looks cool, but then just like don't drown. And then in Fs, and then in the next movie, she's still in to have the fight scene, which is a very lackluster fight yeah, scene. I just, and then she's just killed off. Exactly. Just, like, if they'd kept her around and build her up, same with Kylo Ren, I think it could have worked a lot better. Yeah, I, I think I think it was Ryan Johnson trying to give the fans what they want, but he just didn't have the space for it, so he just threw it in. Yeah, that's true. And then Hux, to me, is fine as a funny character, but then in this movie, he wasn't even funny. It was just, like, ridiculous. And his whole thing of, okay, think about the psychology of the First Order, and it's supposed to be modeled after the Nazi Empire, right? Mm -hmm. So you've been brought up in this political structure, you're very competitive, you're, like, pretty much at the top, you're competing with Kylo Ren, and you want him taken out. You go to the rebels? People who you think have no standing, and you think you can just wipe them out? Because that's your mentality, that's your, like... It's that Nazi mentality of, like, we're the best, and then you want me to believe that this guy is now, like, a spy for the rebels? It doesn't make sense psychologically, and it's also not funny. 
Like in the last movie, I was laughing at him. I know you thought he was stupid, but I was at least entertained. And in this, I was like, and then you kill him off right away. I'm like, what? What was the point of this? Yeah, I mean, now like in going going back to lore, historically, this is something that's been done a lot, where like you'll use the rebels to try to take out one of your enemies. But like in those situations, like you you make a very clear trap. You 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 put you put you put you don't believe in the rebels, but you put them in a position where you have made it so you think they're gonna Yeah, you use them. Yeah, you use yeah. them. Uh, I'm just the opening crawl that's like Palpatine's back, no explanation given. No. Like no I want I I rolled my eyes so hard because the first line was the dead speak. <laughs> and then it's like a B movie. He's attached to like these wires. There's constant lightning. I'm getting a seizure from like <laughs> I'm like, is is this supposed to be a joke? Did you spend millions of dollars to play a joke on me? And it also so disrespectful to the culmination of the original trilogy. Yeah. Is everyone just coming back now all of a sudden because you want to live out your dream of being alive then and making these movies? And, uh, I mean, the, the thing that I hate, I, I don't, I haven't really looked at like other people's opinions for it, but the one that I hate a lot was a conference reference of. I am every Sith and I am every Jedi. It was so corny. It well, I thought it was like like a spiritual, like I have the support of all these people who've come before me. But then the movie seemed to take that very literally. <laughs> like I thought it was more but, of like a spiritual thing. But then he's like, no, I am the, I, I have all their power in me. And I'm like, oh, I thought we were just like. Even spiritually, it goes against both the Sith and Jedi beliefs and stuff like that. Jedi believe that you, that when you die, you become one with the Force, and the Force acts through you. So the, the Jedi don't act as a separate entity. Like, the whole reason why Ben Kenobi's Force spirit stopped, uh, stopped showing up to Luke was because eventually his Force spirit does join the Force, and he loses his identity. They don't exist in that in that level anymore. They are a part of the Force. They can no longer come back and visit you. Mm. So it doesn't make sense there for her to believe that she's every Jedi. And then meanwhile, for the Sith, the Sith are a highly competitive... Competitive. Yeah, I was going to say They that. share their secrets. Yeah. The whole Darth Plagueis the Wise thing. Um, okay, so original lore, Palpatine does come back. The reason why he comes back was that he had learn from Darth Plagueis the secret of transferring your spiritual essence into another body. And he, Palpatine, killed Plagueis before he could use that uh, use that ability. So, like, that shows the mentality. He's like, oh, my master has this power. I'm going to kill him so he can't use it. And I'm going to use it myself. Yeah, there's, there's a no lot solution. of those, like, from the comics that I've read, which are very limited, there's a lot of, like, Sith... Betraying each, you, betraying each other, fighting each other, and using each other. Yeah, the basic mentality of the rule of two, which is in existence by the time um, the movies start, is that there's always two Sith, a master and apprentice. The master takes control and enforces his power over the apprentice. And eventually, one day, the apprentice will attack you. And either you kill the apprentice, showing that you are the proper Sith, or the apprentice kills you, in which they have surpassed you, they are the new line. This is why Palpatine wants so bad for Luke to kill Vader, because eventually Vader's going to try to kill him, and if Vader can't kill him, then it's just Palpatine. But if Luke kills him, then Luke's better, and then Luke might kill him eventually. The way that they support each other is through destroying each other. Palpatine wouldn't be every single Sith. Mm -hmm. He would be Palpatine. 
the most powerful Sith. But that belief it, in that constant reference, it was very B. And it's like, it's trying to force a climax of all the movies to do those words. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. It's just, it's yeah, like friendship is power. Even, <laughs> you know. And even somebody like me, who's not as familiar with all this stuff as you are, it felt off in the movie. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. Oh man. It's just the whole Palpatine I just can't even. How did that get past anybody? That that's why I'm like, these people have too much like unfettered control and freedom. And <laughs> yeah, there were good things. I, I I want to talk about good things because I I feel like I'm hating on this movie so I'm bad. I'm sorry, it's just me. I know you liked. Oh, let's talk about I, Wedge because I screamed my head off when Wedge until he's appeared in this movie and he said before like. Yeah, I don't want to be a part of these new movies, which my brother always joked about, like, well, what else is he in? <laughs> He's yeah. not doing anything else. But then we just get one scene with him. I'm like, why couldn't we have had more time with Wedge? Like, He's a fan there. favorite. But you want to be there. He didn't want to but be like, there. But at the same time, like, we're watching the movie, and like, I, look, I look at my sister, I'm like, that's Wedge. It's like, who? Because like, at the same time, there are a lot of people that watch these movies and don't know who Wedge yeah, is. Yeah, I was the only one screaming in my theater. <laughs> Yeah, they they don't know, and maybe that's part of the reason why you didn't want to be it. Because like you really have to connect the dots. Same thing with like the whole Admiral Piet stuff. Because there are the fans that keep track of the military people that aren't like the main cast. Yeah, but then it's fun for people like that to. Yeah. Then you made something interesting for those people in the movie, yeah. and I feel those are the kind of little hints that we actually the fan service we actually enjoy instead yeah. of you being just like blue milk Darth Vader's back from the dead or oh, whatever oh, oh yeah Luke's getting it right from the nipple oh yeah <laughs> the blue milk. I want you to know how he drinks it I want it to be the most disgusting <laughs> thing you ever seen. oh my god I know there's good stuff. I enjoyed this movie. I just can't. I'm so focused on the bad right now. It's, uh, it's me. I'm controlling you. No. I am the, no. I, everyone's a Jedi now. No matter how, how horrible the things you did, you are a Jedi. Mm -hmm. And upon your death, you will dissipate. I screamed twice during this movie. It mm -hmm. was during Wedge. And then it was when Kylo Ren dissipated. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Poor Qui Gon Jinn. Like, what did he do? I, I, I said, yeah, I said this to you, but like, remember, remember when Darth Vader decided that he wasn't gonna be a bad guy and he wanted to save his son, and he lifted up Palpatine and he threw him off the cliff. He talked to Luke, and then he died, and then he didn't disappear into he the didn't force. Disappear, and and then Luke burned him so that that's Kylo the Ren, point. So that Kylo Ren could go and find like his his, his burnt head and say, "I'm gonna keep this and talk to it." <laughs> Because because I have a problem with my uncle. <laughs> Again, it's a plot point that I, I have such a huge problem with. I get it. They tried to fix it now by saying that the whole every time like Vader talked to him, it was actually like Palpatine. Like, did no one tell Ben like what happened with Vader? Did no one tell Ben that like Vader redeemed himself and saved Luke from Palpatine's way that did no one tell him this? They so why yeah. is he going there and just like, oh, my dad was a great Sith. Like, no, that's not how he died. That's not how he wants to remember him. Would you do you not find a little bit suspicious that he's like, yeah, be a bad guy. Be a bad guy. They could have just had Kylo Ren's body there. Like there was no need for him to suddenly now be a Jedi because he had like wielded a lightsaber again that wasn't red. But 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 he kissed her. Well, she, she kissed him, and it was poignant if he disappeared because then she she lost something. Um, another thing I want to point out is about rating systems. Disney 
gets off on these lightsabers because they can say, oh, it just burns the flesh and you don't have to see blood and they don't have to bump up the rating to R. The whole rating system, I don't know if we've gone into it on the podcast before, but it's a scam. It does nothing to actually protect your children from anything. It's why Marvel gets away with making violent movie after violent movie and conditions your brain to think that oh, Wonder Woman breaking somebody's neck is fine because I don't see any blood and it's PG-rated. And I think it just embeds like a sense of violence in people that I find very unhealthy, especially with the first scene of this movie being Kylo Ren murdering a bunch of people. But that's fine. He's a Jedi. He can dissipate. (laughs) Well, I mean, Luke can drink as much blue milk as possible as long as you don't see the nipple. (laughs) So that's very fair. (laughs) Um, no, yeah, the the rain's ridiculous. And, of course, it, it, it works both ways, too, because it doesn't really do anything for parents, either. This movie could have been Ray whatever, and they would have taken their kids to see it. Yeah. I was just, I was talking to one of my coworkers yesterday, because he, um, he, he was talking about how he had watched Joker, and I hadn't seen it. And he had, he pointed out that it was Ray R, and he had read a review, because it was, it was this one woman who was complaining about DC, like, I can't believe they released this movie, because she took her son to see the movie. It's like it's rated R. It's it's it, it. You shouldn't take your kids to see it, but she did it anyway. No, people don't listen to it. Me, yeah, I I watched all the Indiana Jones movies when I was like eight. I saw faces melting. So my parent, my dad didn't care. My mom did, but my mom wasn't home. My dad did, and so I saw all this stuff, and I became a functioning member of society. <laughs> I say with sarcasm. But. There was um on our two episodes ago, we actually talked about how Temple of Doom contributed to making the pg-13 rating because before that there was just pg and then r i think and then they made this new rating that was like well it's kind of violent like maybe you should be older to see it right but that's temple of doom that was after the movie with the exploding head and the (laughs) melting face (laughs) um how did you feel about the lesbian kids because i was very angry I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't for it, but I assume it's for different reasons than you. I just I can see people looking at this and being like, "Oh, Disney isn't a giant evil corporation. They're an ally to queer people." And I'm like, "No, they're not." And this scene can very easily be edited out, which it already has in places like Singapore. And it's just Disney trying to get those like points while doing absolutely nothing and making no effort and actually using their platform to represent people. I just want to point out that Disney's evil. I love their movies. We all go to Disneyland. We all enjoy it. But I don't want to paint them as this benevolent, like, culture trendsetting. Yeah. I mean, they have done other things that were actually more poignant, but they're not doing enough to really make that uh, platform. Like, there was a whole Georgia incident where they're trying to, you know, ban gay marriage in Georgia, and which is also a very major filming area. And Disney decided to pull out of Georgia. Until that changed, yeah. So I mean, they and, and they were very public about that. So they have done something. Yeah, they're public about that because it gets them points. Like I don't think the executives at Disney actually care about any of this. I think it's just important to recognize that these corporations do function as a money making machine, oh, yeah. and they're not out to oh, yeah. fight for you or. They all they all wave the rainbow flag when gay right. pride parade comes up, and then they just go against it as soon as it ends. That that's the perfect See, way to put it. My my problem. My problem with the lesbian kiss was it, it's my it's my own personal thing that I always go but I just look at that when I ever see mo- scenes like that I just like but you couldn't show two men doing it. That's I, true. I mean, we talked about this with Atomic Bomb show. No, Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. 
That was what it was called. Did we talk about it? We talked about a little where how and we were talking about how like all the all the trailers featured this, you know, scene between her and the other woman. And it's like, yeah, oh. but you can't you can't plaster that all with between two men all over That's trailers. True. People were freaking out. If they if we had two if we had two men kissing at the end of this movie, then like there'd be people like, Oh, I didn't know the Jedi was synonymous with the devil. They just you know, they'd be all over it. Now no one's really talking, it's fine. It's two women. It's 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 like sexy right. i hate i hate gays but i love lesbians i love in a lesbian non-ironic porn way. on my in, computer yeah. in a non-ironic way it's yeah. fine god looks away <laughs> and it's a, it's a tricky subject because vice versa on the other hand a woman takes so much crap in the movie industry it's like i i, I almost want, want to be like just give it to them but it's just like men and women you know, homosexual men and women are frowned upon equally yeah there's a lot of that like you can show a lot of lesbian stuff in films because you know it's two women but it's not showing it for the right reason yeah it's not showing yeah, yeah. a comic blonde you know making on this woman you know to make lesbianism great you know or, or you know normal it's it's to, it's to get hard-ons it's again it's the, to get the men off yeah the, the only in defense of atomic blonde just really quickly is the movie didn't feel male gazy but i think the trailer picked yes. its choice a little yeah, <laughs> like, the, yeah the trailer was absolutely targeted towards yeah, men yeah, they yeah. knew exactly what they were doing with that that's true yeah i think we're just at a point where we expect so much more so having these little tidbits just doesn't it's not enough yeah you know especially when we when both oscar isaac and john boyega are like oh yeah that would be great if our characters had like a romance and so many people well, are like I, he's obviously not gonna get it with ray <laughs> right um let's see what were my other notes oh so leia this was supposed to be leia's movie Mm -hmm. and her dying is one of those things i'll always i'll always remember where i was when i heard that you know i think she was just such a huge influence and so important to so many people and i know it's silly to think about people dying who you don't even really know but i think when they've had such an impact on pop culture and mental health and all that i don't know i just thought it was really sad and i thought maybe there was a storyline here where she didn't want to train her son because she was too afraid to do it but now she turned around and trained ray and it was a i thought there was maybe like a personal growth story here that they all had to cut because she passed away but obviously there was more to it to lay in this movie that i would have loved to have seen and at the same time i'm like would jj have even made time for it yeah you know (laughs) just sad you know, you talk about the whole Leia thing, you just reminded me, because going back to CGI, uh, the scene where they were younger, Luke and Leia. Why did Luke look okay? And her face was just... Like, uh, as soon as it showed his face, all of a goes, oh, wow, I really love the Dark Crystal. Jim Jensen's the Dark Crystal. Oh, yeah, that's Jen, the Gelfling. And then it showed Leia, like, oh, what, what happened here? Well, Luke's face looked like they took something from the old movies and just pasted it in there and the head movements were a little off, but Leia's face to me looked like they animated it from scratch. To me, Luke's face looks very long. Like uh, very, Yeah, something wasn't right there. That, that's why I thought like Dark Crystal, because like the Gelfling there had like very long face. I, I thought it looked very long too, and it just it bothered me. But I, I kind of dismissed, like, dismissed it because the scene was quick. You right. Know, it was I, dark. Yeah it, yeah, it was dark. It was quick. Like they knew that they were going to have a problem with this, so they had them fighting with helmets on. Right, it only made right. a quick thing. Um but so that just like took me off guard. Carrie Fisher dying. I I, I had something to say about that because like 
a big thing that always happens whenever like a prominent actor dies. When it's, it's always people always talk about how like you shouldn't like give so much to these people to death. So you don't know them so much, so forth. Pay attention to, like the actual important things. I understand that, but for me, if you if you see this person in enough movies like that, like you learn their name, you you know you you know a little bit about them, so like that. Then you're you're completely fine to mourn. I'm sorry. If they, for me, someone that has enough impact on you mm-hmm. that you learn their name and want to know their name is someone that you are allowed to mourn. Period. You know? Yeah, and you follow their career, and you're, it. Yeah, I don't know. It's sad. Yeah, <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Where it's like it's silly because you never like actually met this person, but you still want to know their name, and that's all that matters to me. Yeah. Yep. 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 The only other thing I had written down really was when when Luke says, "We all knew you were Palpatine. Me and Leia did." And I'm like, it just like he so obviously didn't. And it's just J.J. Abrams like yelling in my face, right? Because you didn't see the previous movie made by the other guy, right? And I'm like, yeah, no, we all saw it, J.J. We all went and saw it. It just reminded me of that scene where um, Alec Guinness has to say like. I didn't really lie to you. Your father was dead and Darth Vader took his place. And it's like, you just thought of this, George Lucas, and you had to change everything. Oh, <laughs> Like, still nothing is thought out, like, so many years later. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't believe that. I can't. And it makes it worse. It makes it worse for them to have known. Yeah. And it would have been a better surprise for everyone if it was a surprise for everyone. Yeah. Like that's also it just feels like JJ Abrams mystery box where now he's saying like, Oh, Luke and Leia knew. Did you know? Or were you not as smart as Luke and Leia? <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause I put I put hints in, in the in the scene where in the in the memory where uh Ray as a child is reaching out for the ship. If you look closely behind her earlobe, you can see a P for Palpatine mark <laughs> on the back. It's been there in every movie. Prove me wrong. I guess you just weren't it's Jedi absurd, enough to see it. Right? <laughs> no, it is. This is so true. Oh God! I was also just disappointed with John Boyega in this that he had no real character growth. Even that scene that he had with the other person that could have been really interesting. Like, what? What does that mean to grow up brainwashed? To kind of discard that right away. And then I don't know if it's because they are acting on sound stages, but him pointing at things like rays on that ship, like we all burst out laughing because I think he doesn't have the act or him like yelling at Ray when she has that lightsaber fight in the water with, I just don't think he's reacting to anything and he does he's not a well-developed actor enough to really know how to give it that subtlety. If you compare that to Carrie Fisher, when she's flying the Millennium Falcon, she's like, I have to go back to the, you know, to rescue Luke. I know he's back there and you kind of really feel it in your heart. It, John, John Boyega's lines didn't make me feel that in my heart. Um, I think I didn't I didn't have that impression when she was fi- uh, you know fighting with Kylo um by the Death Star. I I thought that, that was fine, but as far as the pointing thing, like I said, I I don't remember. I'd have to see it again. But I really felt that there was some. I remember there being some other thing that I noticed that seemed like that was telling her him where she was, more like a hunch, not necessarily the Force. I, I don't think it was that. No, they did make him Force sensitive in this, which I'm totally fine with. I just needed it to be a little bit more clear and developed. And I, just, I just don't see how he was force sensitive in it. Because that would seem like the only thing that would Right, have been because there. it wasn't done well. Yeah, it's so not I, you. It's not you. It's the movie. I, I just, <laughs> I don't, I just, I don't think he was. 
And I guess in, in an interview, they said that I thought when they were falling through the quicksand, Finn was going to tell Ray that he loves her, but apparently he was going to tell her that J.J. Abrams said that he's force sensitive. Like he was going to tell her that he's force sensitive. Well, yeah, because like, J.J. Abrams is just saying anything he wants at this point. Yeah, they're not they're not in love. Ben is the one. And she will never have a love because he, he's what. But she, she'll love his Force Ghost because he's coming back as a Force Ghost because he's a Jedi. <laughs> Kinky. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, she'll be she'll be able to feel him and in, inside her spiritually. Spiritually. Because yeah, he's a Jedi, so he can come back. And as she's a ghost. all the Jedi. Yeah. Yes. She's yes. Every yes. I one. see. Mace Windu's inside her <laughs> all the time. Kiati Mundi, the conehead, is in there all the time. That snake guy from the fir- from episode one, stop w- with, with with like the Hindu beard, he's in her too. They're all there. Female Yoda, Yaddle, she's there too. I don't even remember female Yoda. It's, it's Yoda with a wig. I'm not kidding. You'll look it up and you'll be upset. And eyelashes, probably. No, no eyelashes. No, eyelashes. it's it's Yoda with wig. That's it. There's not a lot of uh, sexual dimorphism oh within Yoda species, apparently. Admiral Akbar got more time in this trilogy than Lando Corrosian. I, I feel like. Yeah, he died in the last one. And he died. God Which damn it. Sucked. Everybody dies. Oh, man, I had something to say, but I, 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 I lost it. I got distracted with all that stuff. Um, <laughs> with the sexual force ghosts? Yes, yes, I did get distracted by the sexual force. It's a, it's a, it's a little distracting. Um... Oh, what was Do the it? other Force oh. Ghosts watch? Sorry, no, go on. I'm just getting more. No, no Force Ghosts watches. They get involved. <laughs> they they get all involved. get involved in some way. <laughs> they they put their feeling into it. Oh, so I was going to talk about um Poe and this girl that I don't know the name of because she's another Bo- Boba Fett. Carrie Russell. No, I'm going to talk about the character's name. She doesn't have a. Who cares? Carrie okay. Russell. <laughs> okay. I don't know who that is. Um, she was in Austin Land, a movie you would have never seen. Yeah. But then it's like, there's so much that I liked about it, but I kept getting bogged down because of the realizations of, of certain things. Like Again, like one thing, she's another Boba Fett. The, 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 the main thing that you're supposed to take from her are her helmet and her butt, because they show her butt a lot. I really liked when she showed her eyes and she asked me if she wanted to come with, but then like that was it. And then like I love that she spends five hours doing a smoky eye and then hides it all yeah. day under it. <laughs> no, she's an, she's an alien. That's that's how her eyes. Oh, that's how her eyes look. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, of course, JJ. And then I was and I was really annoyed when like yeah they you know they attacked the planet and then like she just happens. To be in the final battle with the spaceship with the with the I thought little... she died on the planet. Yeah, that's why I thought too. Like because she couldn't get out because she gave the chip to. Yeah, how'd she get out? How'd she escape? How did she and cute action figure droid hacker? I love that droid hacker he's, thing. He's pretty great. <laughs> he's pretty great. I have to. I, I love him too. But like, how how how'd they get off? Did he like make a spaceship from droids? Because he can do everything with droids because he's a Jawa apparently. Um. No yeah. Sense. So like, she just showed up and then like. That was a great scene at the end where, like, you know, he tried to, like, flirt with her. And she was like, no. But just like, I can't get bogged down by how it was, like, it was weird, like, fan surface for nothing. Because I guarantee there's not anybody connecting with her character. Yeah. They just, he just wanted you, like, because toys. There's going to be, like, so yeah. many, there's going to be so many comics about yeah, her. Yeah, just to, just to be clear, Oscar Isaac's character is so straight. He's so straight. <laughs> like, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, but like, that scene where he, like, looks at her and he's like, are we going to get it on? 
I'm like, oh my god, I'm watching somebody actually act. I'm watching Oscar Isaac do something without dialogue. Nobody's yelling at each other. There's no fighting. I'm like, this is all I wanted. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I like that stuff. But I, but I always knew. I sat there the whole time just looking. It's like, this is really only here so they can make the Poe prequel comics. Like They already are Poe prequel oh, comics. But now they're right. there so that you can have a bunch of comics about him being a, uh, him being a smuggler, being another Han Solo, with this girl and this dro- little droid guy being his, you know, Leia and Chewbacca. Well, not Leia. Oh yeah, layer yeah. kick ass, um, yeah. and and Chewbacca and some of that, and there's gonna be a whole thing about that. It might be might be a game, probably not. Mostly just books and comics. That that's all setting up like that other stuff You're for right. there. Darn um, it. It's like it's it's yeah. I, I'm fi- I'm for you making the background of the characters, you know, but like you're inserting it into the movies so that you know that there's gonna be something for there. So. Anything else that you had? Any final thoughts? I mean, you know, like I told you, I think it's better than the last movie. Not as good as Force Awakens. <sighs> the problem is, I know that the world is breathing a collective sigh of like, oh, okay, it's over. It's not over. It's not over. <laughs> Brian Johnson has another trilogy. <laughs> they got the Mandalorian TV series going, which people love. There's, It's just... All I can hope is that they just pull away from Skywalker. I was particularly annoyed that Ray took the Skywalker name, especially since like her main. Yeah, I thought she was gonna say just Ray. Yeah, like Ray, what? Just Ray, or even if she has to take a name, I don't know. I felt that she had more connection to Han and Leia than. Right. Yeah. So I maybe take one of their. If she had to take a name, she'd take one of their names. But oh, I do have a positive thing to say. Ray's Ray's costume. I actually really like all the costumes. I did miss the jacket that that Finn had that he wasn't yeah. wearing this time. I was like, that's a signature jacket that his friend gave him. But um, the the collar with the hood, I've already watched a bunch of people trying to replicate it. And I know there's these cosplay groups where you can only get in if it's like accurate or whatever. And I'm like, I thought that looked great. And I love how they keep the theme of the costumes and the character personality, but then tweak it a little bit each time while still making it recognizable and marketable. I thought... Costume, costume was on point. Okay, but like I had to, I had to reply with Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren's pajamas at the end. <laughs> Kylo Ren's pajamas at the end. Yeah, that's a problem. Man. And then uh, Kylo Ren's uh, super emo phase, where he, you know, here's the helmet. Now it's got red clacks. and this is an entire scene of all these people, like these admirals, looking at him, just, and they all know, it's like, oh no. What made him mad this time? The why is worst he wearing- soldering job yeah. ever when why- they could just build a new helmet. Why? Why does he have red in the helmet? It's like so they can buy do- more toys, sell more toys. Hux, do do you have a problem with my helmet? It's like, and I was very worried that is this going to be Kylo Ren throughout the rest of the movie? Red crack crack helmet because it looks stupid. <laughs> red crack helmet. It's like you had the helmet for the first movie, and then the second movie he had the helmet removed the whole time. So it's like, I just, I didn't want to go back to the helmet. Well, I thought the back to the helmet thing was establishing him as, yes, he's the villain. He's, but no home plot twist. He's not. He's a good, he's a Jedi. But again, red crack helmet, which went away pretty quick. Pretty quick. Yeah. Yes. Like he was still running around in the back. He was like, he got, he, he got in a crash and he had to, because he had to take the helmet off. Because apparently a helmet that has a bunch of cracks in it doesn't protect you in a starfighter crash. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you show a girl that you love her you try to crash your spaceship into her with no plan what to do 
there's so many people who are like, yes, this is what I wanted. My Raylo dream came true. And I'm like, I am having like a 50 shades moment where I'm like, this is what everyone wants. Is everyone okay? Are they okay? <laughs> but I think that's it. That's um. it. That's all we got. You can find us at modernlifepodcast.com, modernlifepod on Instagram and Twitter. And our email is modernlifepod at gmail.com. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. That's all. I mean, people are going to read too much into it. It's a simple, simple stuff for all ages. Are they doing that now with you? Because of the kind of, you know, sort of uh, reading more into it, the sort of guru figure that you play. Oh, yes, I'm getting some pretty strange letters. Are you? I can imagine, actually. Oh, no, surely, yes. Uh, My wife and I have got problems. Would you come over and live with us for a few months? (laughs)